You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Did you know that 3CR received its community radio licence in 1976? Our application was successful because of our diverse and engaged community membership. Subscribers are at the heart of our station and we really need you to be active and paid up in 2023. Become a 3CR subscriber today. Call 039419 8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au subscribe. That plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning, as the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind, poisoning. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Look, the sacred cows die of laughter. We don't actually slaughter them, so just relax. They die of laughter, considering what the state of the world is today. And obviously they're coming across to that critical comedy festival in Melbourne, which I'll speak about at the end of the program. Now, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, anarchos without rulers, society without rulers, what gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people on a day-to-day basis, inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle, the struggle to devolve power, that share power, and hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. It is broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. It's also broadcast at 4 Z in Brisbane. So if you listen to this program for the first time, and uh, you like what you hear and you're attached to a community radio station, knock on their door, ask them if they're members of the community radio network and get them to broadcast the anarchist world this week. Now, life moves on. We know that. That's what history tells us. But I'm quite concerned, not about what's going on right now, which I'll just mention and discuss in 10 or 15 minutes, But I'm very concerned about the privatisation of the future. Privatising the future seems to be the name of the game. And nothing highlights this more than the conglomerations which now own, control, manipulate social media. Huge transnational corporations which are much more powerful than most sovereign nation states. And instead of creating an institution which was supposed to be decentralised, which couldn't be controlled, we now have institutions which have been created which are highly centralised, 
which are basically there to, you know, monetize activities. In other words, make a buck through advertising. Now, I'm not just concerned about privatizing the future. I mean, this is just a indicator, a little indicator of what's to come. Because what we've seen in the last 30 or 40 years is a huge impact on scientific research, higher education, and research by the corporate sector. Theoretically, knowledge is there to be shared. But what we've seen is a change in ideology in terms of the privatisation of creations that are created through using the pool of knowledge which has been created to a large degree through the your efforts, your money, state enterprises, state institutions. And the idea that knowledge should be shared should be chucked out the door. Now, obviously, when COVID-19 hit, it was interesting to see that the Chinese government released a COVID-19 DNA profile, three of charge, to the world. We didn't have to wait to it to be reinvented. People could start doing research on it. But what's happening now is we're seeing corporations, pharmaceutical corporations, um, defence corp uh, military corporations, a whole variety of corporations now have become embedded in research. And to a significant degree, they bankroll that research. And you know the old adage from the medieval times, he who pays the piper calls the tune. Remember the Pied Piper? How they got all the little kitties to go and fight in the struggle to liberate Jerusalem. And then they found themselves being sold off as slaves on their way there. But that's a different story. Fascinating story. But what we are seeing is the privatisation of the future. We are seeing unaccountable corporations who have no community members, who have no government members on their boards, who are using the knowledge which has been built up over centuries, common knowledge, which is built up over centuries, to expand their empires. Not just in terms of financial control, but in terms of determining the type of future we will have, not just in this country but around the world. Artificial intelligence is part of that network. So it is a huge issue. When you have knowledge, boundaries, scientific boundaries and knowledge boundaries which are broken and then reformed and using that 
those that knowledge to create commercial advantages for specific corporations who are now using common resources, universities and research facilities, to expand their empire. We saw that with the COVID-19 vaccination program. The fact that since uh, Commonwealth Serum Laboratory was privatised in 1992 by Mr Keating, we saw that we didn't even have the facility to create vaccines. Quite extraordinary. But it's happening everywhere. And all you need to do is be in part of a university or part of a research institute to understand that you can't serve two masters. You can't serve the people and the corporate sector at the same time. You just can't serve two masters. And he who pays the piper, or she who pays the piper, calls the tune. And we're seeing that more and more in research. Research is being skewed in such a way has to monetize, that's it, make a buck, skewed in such a way has to increase company profits or corporate profits at the expense of the planet and the community. This is a significant issue because what we are seeing amongst the new crop of scientists is a change in ideological position and that ideological position is based on the idea that the reason you do research is to commercialise results and then profit from those results by going into partnerships with unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to increase the profits to their major shareholders irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. So what we are seeing in the first quarter of the 21st century is a huge change in emphasis. What we are seeing is the privatisation of the future before it even occurs because of the structures which have been set up and ticked off by governments of all political, uh, political ideologies and colours, that this is the way forward. Public, pri not, not even public-private partnership where the public gets drip-fed, drip something else, but the corporatisation of the results of research, which are skewed in such a way as to maximise profits for these huge transnational corporations which make our mining giants look like minnows in comparison. So think about it. Think about all those media releases you uh, see or hear about or read on social media regarding this innovation and that innovation. Have a look who's behind it. Governments have absolved themselves of the responsibility of funding research and then using the results 
to improve the lives of people. Like governments of like governments at the state and federal level in this country have absolved them, themselves of the responsibility of providing housing through public housing and giving over that uh, responsibility to the private sector, whether they masquerade as social, affordable community housing. The fact is we are seeing this in every aspect of human existence and we are now paying the price. The so-called housing crisis is nothing more than the government of the day at the state and federal level absolving itself of the responsibility of providing housing for its citizens. It's very simple. It's the same now with the commercialisation of scientific research. The same thing. And we will get to the same end. Where although public facilities are used, public money is used to augment the commercial venture, the profits and the positive and negative consequences, but mainly positive, will flow to the corporations who pay the piper. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. My name's Joseph Toscano. Let's move on. Look, if you've got any issues, you can always ring me on 0439 395 489. The good thing is, is I'm with Optus. It means that's, you know, I'm supporting the... Uh, you see, people say, why are you with Optus? Well, I'll tell you why I'm with Optus, because I'm supporting all those elderly superannuants in Singapore who are currently enjoying public housing because the Optus is actually owned by the Singapore government. That's right. And it provides, its profits provide uh, positives for their citizens, not ours, but that's a different matter. And obviously that's not working, but, you know, you can always try. 0439 395 489. Now, it's a funny world we live in, isn't it? Federal government... Bulk Bill Dreaming. Now, the death of Bill Hayden a few weeks ago at the age of 90, in many regards, is a great loss to the world, or Australia specifically. Because Bill Hayden was the architect regarding the introduction of a universal health insurance scheme, which was initially called Medibank, which is now called Medicare. And despite vociferous, and I'm old enough to remember, resistance through the medical organisations like the AMA, the Royal Australian College of General Practice and all the specialist college, that it would be the end of medicine as we knew it. What the introduction of Medicare did is allowed people to access basic health care. And most clinics, around 90%, realised that the way forward was to bulk bill patients, whether they were on a whether they're on some type of social security benefit or not. Bulk bill. Bulk bill, everybody who comes through the door, the government pays the bill, everybody has access to primary health care. Seemed good. Well, it worked for a while, and then various governments, starting with the Fraser government, which uh, came in after the ousting of uh, the Whitlam-led Labor government, what we saw is legislation put into place to destroy 
the very essence of the Whitlam Labor Government initiative to provide universal health insurance for each and every Australian, irrespective of their income. So many people who were denied access to primary health care suddenly found themselves in the position where they had primary health care. But the last, remember, Medicare was introduced in 1973, so it's now it's 50, 50 years old. And what we've seen over the last maybe 43, 44 years is extensive attempts to undermine the bulk billing component of Medicare. And that has resulted in those clinics that bulk bill finding themselves under increasing financial pressure to stop bulk billing. And situations became so critical that we've seen over the last few years that more and more clinics refuse to bulk bill. An average cost for a consultation in most clinics around the country is 90 to $120 for a 15-minute consultation, and you'd be lucky to get 33 or $34 back you know, as your, as your um, contribution. So what the federal government has now done, it has introduced a payment depending on how far you are from the, uh, the city to general practitioners, and it's increased the incentive to bulk bill children under 16 and people on Social Security benefits from $6.85 to, in the city to $20.75 and about $35 in remote areas. In an attempt to reverse the loss of bulk billing to the people who need it most. But unfortunately, this innovation, which has been hailed by Mr Albanese as the greatest inv- innovation since the introduction of Medicare, may have saved bulk billing for some people on Social Security benefits. I'm sure most, most many clinics will accept it, some won't. But it has destroyed the ability of people on low incomes who haven't got Social Security benefits, who take home maybe less than $1,200-$1,300 a week after uh, you know all their expenses are taken out as far as taxation is concerned, from accessing basic health care. So the original premise that everybody, irrespective of income, could actually access primary health care has gone out the door. And it's now been relegated to only those people who are under 16 or on Social Security benefits. It hasn't been relegated through legislation, but it's been relegated through financial reality in terms of the costs involved in running a clinic. So, once again... We are seeing significant reforms which were introduced over 50 years ago being slowly whittled away because no government would dare, no government would dare scrap Medicare. But they're quite happy 
like we see in the public housing sector, to deny the funds to work effectively. So take everything you tell with a grain of salt, including what I tell you. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Ah, well. Ever heard of treaty? Reconciliation? What's another word? Treaty? Reconciliation? Ah, truth-telling? Voice to Parliament? Well, those of you who are regular listeners to this program understand that I was a great supporter of the Ruleroo Statement from the heart, personally, as a way forward. And I did say that there would be a lost momentum as far as reconciliation, treaty, truth-telling, anything is concerned, as far as First Nations people are concerned in this country. We lost the opportunity of a century. We saw members of the Black Sovereign Movement being totally manipulated by the racist elements in this society. We saw the old squatters once again win the day. Political change, as I keep saying, is about momentum. If you lose momentum, that debate dies, not just in the community, but it dies in the parliamentary sphere. And it's now all about closing the gap. Nothing else. No question of treaty at a federal level. No question about truth-telling. No government worth its salt that has its eyes on the polls is going to take this forward. This is something, this decision is something that we will rue for generations to come. I can imagine many people who've supported First Nations initiatives becoming so disillusioned with this process that they will fall away, move to other areas of interest. I encourage people to continue to fight because that's what they want us to do. They want us to sit on the background, say it's all lost, nothing will ever happen. But the reality is we have lost, we have lost a golden opportunity for change in this country. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, look, I don't know if you would like some maritime arsenal in your backyard. Maybe you've got a tinny. Maybe you've got a tinny in the backyard and you'd like to put a few rockets on it or maybe a missile, intercontinental missile. Well... If you don't live in Sydney, you're missing the greatest opportunity of your life to get what you need for your little tinny. Because as I speak, there's an Indo-Pacific Maritime Conference and I under- in Sydney, and I understand, which has been hosted by the Australian Navy and the Australian government, and I understand over f- representatives of 
44 navies in the Indo-Pacific, apart from China, have turned up for this wonderful conference. Now, this wonderful conference is basically an arms fair. Now, if you want a rocket for your tinny, if you want a submarine, maybe a midget submarine, for your tinny, if you want the latest technological innovation for your tinny, I've got some really good news for you. There are 900 stalls you can choose from. Remember when you used to go to the Echo or the local fairground and you'd go around and you'd buy all those sample bags? I wonder if they've got any sample rockets. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately for all the tinny owners of Australia, and there are over a million, I understand, You've got to be part of a sovereign nation state to actually get an invitation to go to the fair. Or one of the maritime groups, you know? Because they don't sell to tinnies, tinny owners. They only sell these weapons of mass destruction to sovereign nation states. And you need money to buy them. The trouble is it takes so long to get the order in. By the time you've got the order in, there's something new and exciting at the next Indo-Pacific Maritime Conference. Now, I don't think a lot of Australians realise, but a number of years ago, over a decade ago, Australia made a very important strategic decision to become a significant arms manufacturer in the world. And slowly but surely... We are becoming more and more involved in arms manufacturing. And these arms are sold to some of the most, how shall I put it, unpleasant sovereign nations, states led by some of the most unpleasant human beings on the planet. There's only one proviso. They've got to be our mates. We don't sell to people who are not our mates. We don't sell to the Russians, we don't sell to the Chinese. We've got morals, we've got principles, we've got ethics. But we do sell to a lot of dubious nation-states, including Saudi Arabia, to name one or two, Israel, to name another one or two. Although I just understand that the US government, courtesy of Mr Biden, has just given over $500 million of precision. You like that? Precision bombs the state of Israel, to pursue its slaughter of Gaza, not war, slaughter. So, if you've got nothing to do, go down to Sydney, go to the door, tell them you're the sultan or dictator or prime minister of some fictitious sovereign nation state, have a little stamp or something. And see if they'll let you in and see if you can actually buy some really good stuff for your tinny. Because, you know, a tinny without a missile, especially when you're fishing, is pretty useless these days. You listen to the Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia. Now, look, I know I'm making fun of this. This is very serious garbage. But sometimes, sometimes the only way you can actually make... You know, you need to make a bit of fun of the horrible reality we faced. Do you know that currently we're 
seen a tsunami of hatred in the Middle East and around other parts of the world regarding the uh, invasion of Gaza. Oops, who's that? People are making noises. Maybe the Optus people have got back online. I doubt it. They've got to go to Singapore to see what's going on. So, a tsunami of hatred. Think about it. It looks like once again the Palestinians have been the, the Palestinians have been left to their own devices. We really haven't seen any uh, movement in the Arab world to uh, protect Palestinian interests. This is nothing new. This is the fifth war that has occurred in Gaza. It's the most uh, destructive. This is the fifth war in the last, I think, 25 years, or fifth slaughter. Now, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine the number 11,400, okay? Keep that number in your mind. 11,400. Now, I want you to think about, that's the current death toll. It'll increase rapidly over the next few weeks, but this is the current death toll. 10,000 Palestinians, 1,400 Israelis. Let's think of that number. Now, think of those people standing up holding hands. Let's say a metre apart. Well, not apart, holding hands a metre apart. That's almost, well, that is 11.4 kilometres. Think how far 11.4 kilometres is. That's the number of people that have died in this conflict in the last four weeks. That's right, in the last four weeks. 11,400. Now, the grief suffered by Israeli victims of Hamas is no different to grief suffered by individuals whose whole families are being eradicated, destroyed through the current campaign. We tend to think that somehow our grief it's much more intense than other people, the other. I mean, you could stitch together five words. Israel, Gaza, Dalesford, Nepal, Morocco. In each of those places, in the last few months, We've seen horrific scenes of death. Some through nature, some through human intervention, and most of all from war. The thing about war is that whenever there's a war, they need you, don't they? But as soon as that war finishes, you go on the scrap heap. That's the reality. 
ask any soldier who's been discharged from the Australian Armed Forces who's had issues, health issues, and the way they're treated by, uh, they've been treated over generations in this country. From the first Boer War veterans right down to the last veterans from the Afghanistan War, and obviously the some from the Middle East in the near future. Grief is universal. Watching those pictures of people's personal grief is horrendous. It's not background noise or images flickering on the net or some YouTube or some television set. It's real gut-wrenching emotion, real grief. In many ways, what we are seeing is that very famous adage, for every action, there is a reaction. And we are the enablers. We are the ones, the West, the free world, that has allowed these atrocities to occur by supporting successive Israeli government's unwillingness to end their illegal occupation under United Nations law, not law, but under United Nations decree, illegal occupation of the Palestinian territories. We have enabled that wall of hatred. Maybe not hatred amongst self-appointed leaders of nation-states in the region, but an overwhelming war of hatred towards Israel by tens of millions of people, not only in that area of the world, but around the world. Because there's war and there is slaughter. And there are the enablers who could have stepped in ages ago, like the United States of America, and actually, not only encouraged, but for successive Israeli governments to support a two-state solution. Obviously, a two-state solution doesn't solve the problems, but it does create the mechanisms by which these issues can be contained. So you don't have 11,400 metres of bodies as a direct result of our inability, more importantly, our unwillingness as a people, and we continue to see that willingness in the so-called three world as the slaughter continues to do anything about the situation. For every action, there is a reaction. And I'll keep saying it again. And that tsunami of hatred which is welling up in the Middle East may subside, 
But sooner or later, it will grow bigger and bigger. I was reading a little bit of history over the weekend. It was interesting to see that Gaza City has been there for over four and a half thousand years. Four and a half thousand years. And the Egyptian Emperor Ramses II was involved in the Battle of Kadesh, which is in that region. So that's just an aside, which is neither here or there. It's just a lot of, just a bit of useless peripheral knowledge. But the thing is, every action is a reaction. This will have profound implications in this region and the world for a long time to come. Because this isn't the good old days where you could rape and pillage and murder without any pictures. That you're left to your own private grief. This is a 24-hour news cycle. This is a situation where everybody is a citizen. That's right, citizen reporter. Everybody is a citizen reporter. Everybody has access to a camera. So that grief, that overwhelming grief that comes from loss, a grief that will remain embedded in the minds of those children, both in the Gaza and Israel, and the the search for revenge will continue until the enablers, the Australian government, United States government, the French government, the British government, the list goes on and on, that have allowed this horror story to develop over decades, actually force their ally, Israel, to the negotiating table. Now, obviously, what I say really has no impact, neither here or there. But the impact is that there is an impact in terms of people's thinking. Because, unfortunately, in this country, history starts started yesterday. That's why we have such a blind spot regarding uh, First Nations people in this country, because history started yesterday. What are they bitching about, we keep asking ourselves? The same in... Gaza. Those horrible terrorists came out and they killed all those people. What are they what are they concerned about? What are they bitching about? They're just subhuman animals, you know? That's the thinking. That's the thinking that arises when we refuse to acknowledge the past. The past is fundamental and pivotal to the way we understand the present, but more importantly, mould the future. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Let's move on to something a little bit more fanciful. Now, look, if you live in Melbourne town, there is something happening this weekend. That's the 11th and 12th of November. And it's been presented by Awkward Giraffe. Not Awkward Kangaroo or Awkward, um, you know, what, Tasmanian Tiger, but it's the Awkward Giraffe. Now, who are Awkward Giraffe? 
Now, Awkward Giraffe is a non-profit organisation created to support comedy that sticks it, its head out. It was formed in the aftermath of the murder of Eurydice, I always get her name wrong, Dixon, in 2018, and strives to keep her spirit alive in the comedy community, well, in the, in the general community. I mean, she was walking home, across a park in Carlton when she was um, confronted and murdered. I mean, I knew as a little girl. I've known her father for over 40 years, Jeremy. So obviously, every life is worth something. And it's only the living that keep the dead alive or keep their memory alive. And Awkward Giraffe is now presenting this weekend inaugural festival of critical comedy. Critical comedy, not the fart joke or the, you know, I've got a big cock jokes, you know. Critical comedy. Now, being comedians, they usually start at midday because you know what comedians are like. They tend to drink till all hours of the night. See, here I am, I'm making up things. I'm sure they're all teetotalers and drink mineral water and don't take drugs and all those things. You've got to have a pretty, pretty good mind in order to be a comedian. So it's Critical Comedy. It's a festival of critical comedy. It's on Saturday the 11th of November and Sunday the 12th of November, 12pm to 8pm each day. And it's what's, it's at the Testing Ground Emporium. I like that. Emporium. At 432 Queen Street, Melbourne. That's next to the Victoria Market. Now, I will be part of this. I know it's hard to believe. Not as a comedian. I haven't got that talent, I know that. But I've been asked to adjudicate the comedy debate on Sunday afternoon between 5 and 7pm or Sunday evening. And it's about can 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 critical comedy save the planet? We'll have three speakers for, three against, and we'll see what happens. Can critical comedy save the planet? planet. Well, we may not be able to save the planet, but hopefully it'll be able to wet your pants. So, if you are interested, you can go to awkwardgiraffe.net and register online, and guess what? This is total discrimination. You get free entry. Now, if you are a dinosaur like I am, and you don't know anybody, you can go on awkwardgiraffe.net to... to, um, register you, you pay $10 at the door per day. Now, obviously, you can actually bring up this discrimination at the door. This is what we call, you know, the, um, the divide between those that want to go on the net and those that don't. But, look, seriously, it'd be a great, great days, two days. Uh, if you've got two days, go. If you haven't, I suggest you come to the comedy debate. Can critical comedy save the planet? Considering the news today I think this is a very worthwhile event and I uh, hope this reminds people of Eurydice's um, comedy skills her life was much too short 
much too short. So 432 Queen Street, Melbourne, next to the Victoria Markets. Awkwardgiraffe.net. Register online, otherwise turn up at the door and force your way in. This is the Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Talking about other functions, I'm going to be a busy boy on Sunday the 12th. Not only am I adjudicating this um, debate in Queen Street, 432 Queen Street, Melbourne, I'm also be coordinating the Francesco Fantine Memorial, Yep, which will be held in the morning at Murchison Cemetery. So what are we doing at Murchison Cemetery at 10am on the 12th of November? Now, we usually, with the Anarchist Media Institute, we try to organise events, not just to remember the event, but to actually highlight the future. Now, Francesco Fantine was a refugee from fascist Italy. I think he arrived in Australia in 22-23. A committed anarchist, a very skilled uh, uh, knitting worker, exceptionally skilled, came to Australia, became part of the uh, Italian anarchist in exile movement in Australia. And for 20 years, they struggled to highlight the impending catastrophe as more and more authoritarian and fascist movements took over sovereign nation states, as we saw in Italy and uh, Germany and uh, that growing movement around the world, including Australia, where we had fascists in waiting, waiting to take over the state. And a lot of people don't realise this, but the Italian fascist government spent a lot of money setting up a number of medical clinics in North Queensland, setting up a lot of facilities to assist Italian migrants in North Queensland in the 1920s and 1930s. Now, Francesco Fantini and his small band were attempting to wake up the Australian people to the perils of fascism. And in an attempt to do that, they felt the only way to do this was to influence the uh, trade union movement in this country. And they set up a social centre, the Matteotti Centre, which was named after an Italian anti-fascist who was murdered by uh, Mussolini's crowd in the 20s across the road from Melbourne Trades Hall in what was then the, uh, what, what is now is the, I think, uh, the, was part of the, agric- became the Agricultural Hall and then the haunt, I think, of Australian Opera. Just across the road. And they were attempted to show people through their actions and what they were doing the perils of fascism, the perils of authoritarianism, the impending catastrophe that was going to occur around the world. Now, obviously with the Depression, the club folded, the members broke up, but they did have some influence in Melbourne Trades Hall. And Fantine went up to North Queensland, 
to cut cane. During World War II, Australia had one of the highest rates of internmentship in the, in the world in terms of enemy aliens. Enemy aliens. And Francesco Fantine was arrested in 1942 as an enemy alien, although he had fought against fascism and was a refugee from Italy, you know, because of activities in Italy during Mussolini's time. And the authorities, in their wisdom, said an Italian is an Italian is an Italian. And they put him in a camp with 350 committed fascists. People who had been interned as committed fascists. Could you imagine that? An anarchist among 350 committed fascists. He was uh, interned at Camp Loveday on the 28th of February 1942 and while stooping for a drink at a tap in the camp on the 16th of November 1942, that's two months later, two or three months later, he was bludgeoned to death by a 4B2 as he stooped to drink. Now, his death actually raised questions in the Australian Parliament. Australia was at the height of the World War II and very concerned about the invasion of imminent land invasion of Australia by the Japanese Imperial Forces. Now, his body and the bodies of Italian prisoners of war in the late 1950s were all placed in a central um, place, and that's the Murchison Cemetery. Now, that is now a little corner of the Murchison Cemetery is basically an Italian war cemetery. So there are 220 Italian prisoners of war and internees who died in camps in Australia during World War II are deposited in an Italian war cemetery at Murchison. About 25 of them are internees, the rest are soldiers who were captured. So on the first Sunday next to Armistice Day, there is a gathering of the relatives of those who are interned. The irony is that fascists and anarchists, socialists, all lie together in the same place. That's the irony. In death, we are all equal. In death, we are all equal. That's if you can afford to buy the plot. So, a few of us will be going up there, and you're welcome to join us. We'll um, show our respect for those who are in turn. There will be a Roman Catholic Mass, and then when the things break up, as far as the majority of the crowd is concerned, we will hold a small ceremony to remember Francesco Fantine. This will be the 81st anniversary of his murder. And uh, we recognise an anarchist, an atheist, an anti-fascist and an anti-militarist. That's the key. The fascinating thing about where he was buried at Camp Love Day and I was able to dig out a very, very old photograph. It shows a cross, a triangle, a cross. These are three men who died in the camp. And Francesco Fantine's name is on the triangle. 
at least he was given the respect that when he died, that he wasn't, he was an atheist and he didn't have a cross placed after his grave. So, please come along, Willoughby Street, Murchison. Uh, we were actually able to hold very small commemorations during the COVID period because there were periods where there wasn't any lockdown. And last year there were the floods, but we were still able to hold the commemorations. So uh, we'll see you Sunday. And then we have a communal lunch, so bring food. And then we disappear our own ways and I'll be going back to Melbourne to adjudicate Can Critical Comedy Save the Planet? Well, I don't know if it can, but at least it's worth it. Now, as you know, public interest before corporate interests. We had our annual general meeting about a week ago or so. And we've decided to continue as an organisation. I'll give it another year. Now, if you're interested in joining, it's very simple. Go to publicinterestbeforecorporateinterest.net, pipci.net. And uh, you can join online. If you don't want to join online, you can always leave a message on 0439 395 489. It's very simple. It's not hard. It's uh, easy to join. And I'll be holding more regular meetings in the future and a number of activities. So because ultimately when you think about it, it's about, you know, that's what it's about. We keep asking ourselves, interest rates, don't ask what the corporate world can do for you, but what you can do for the corporate world. Every bank, increased profits. Every person who's got a loan, business loan, personal loan, mortgage, big problems, big problems. So that's the key, not what you... What, not what the corporate world can do for you. Show a bit of respect when you talk to them. But what you can do for the corporate world. That's the big issue these days, isn't it? Now go to the uh, Facebook page, Public Housing Everybody's Business. There's some information there regarding a rally for renters. And obviously we'll be all there on uh, Thursday between 12 and 1. So thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. It is broadcast, as I said, across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. Yes, you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com, or you can email us at info at pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. YouTube channels, um, josephtoscano.nam, YouTube channel, public interests before corporate interests. Facebook pages, Joseph Toscano. Facebook page, public interests before corporate interests. Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Facebook page, Public Housing Everybody's Business. The list goes on and on and on. But the reality is that until you make the effort to be part of that critical, not comedy segment, because obviously that takes a bit of talent, uh, 
Not that I'm saying you haven't got talent, but uh, we all need to make a difference. And the only way we can make a difference is to stop being internet warriors, world war, and the only way we can make a difference is to actually get uh, involved. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Listen in. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. We know you love listening to 3CR, but we also know that many of you haven't downloaded the Community Radio Plus app yet. The app lets you tune in anywhere and share the station with your friends. So, show the love and share the love and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.